Hello, beautiful listeners. This is, of course, as always, the inciting moment. Uh, and many people, oftentimes, they, they, they have themselves questions, important ones, too. And with questions, there, of course, needs to be answers. And uh, 42. We figured that out a while ago. Yes, 42. That is always the one to just keep in the back of your mind. But the other one, when asked on... Uh, other very substantial questions, and uh, you just don't have the answer to it. It's a bad move, or at least it's considered a bad move to just say, oh yeah, no, I don't have an answer. No, 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 no. What you gotta do, what you gotta do, hold up your hands in a reassuring gesture, look them dead in the eyes and say, hey, don't worry, it just works. I see we're playing by the Todd Howard rules. Yes, yes, good old Todd Howard rules. Uh, and where else could we possibly learn these teachings, this this chunk of tutelage, than from uh, pretty much the video game event, uh, E3, the largest e electronic expo in regards to celebrating the video game industry. And uh, E3's been around for a while. A long time. What I was curious about you fellas here, what are your honest thoughts on E3? Because over the years, uh, maturing as you do, uh, I've come to realize that oftentimes it's it's a, a big case of like, okay, I want to say like three times out of ten, there's some actual genuinely uh, intriguing uh, work going into new releases of games. But then other times, it's it's smoke and mirrors. You know, it's like a pre-recorded demonstration of a game rather than an actual, <laughs> you know, live demonstration of a game. Which, frankly, <laughs> I I'm surprised, but also not surprised that for the longest time, people still are sold on those kinds of demonstrations where it's essentially just a pre-show preconceived scripted i think is another good word to put it so let me hear it fellas what 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 are your honest thoughts on uh e3 as like a demonstration of what is to come for games and i guess as a celebration of games if you will so uh i think e3 in of itself is a cool way to like give a big day or so to like show what everything's been up to like what are the next biggest titles that are coming out it's a good platform to announce things but mm -hmm. in that vein i look at it the same way i look at like award shows where i i'm i'm excited to see what's happening there but i'm not gonna watch the full event i'll usually like catch okay so what did they actually announce later you know what i mean mm-hmm like, I'll, I'll get the cliff notes, or I'll just see all the trailers that were announced at the event after the fact. Uh, so the event itself, I, I've never, like, super cool with, but, uh, like, what's announced there, I think, is what is usually, you know, what you would look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I watch E3 every year uh, that they've mm -hmm. had it, um, aside from last year, because... Uh, COVID. Um, yeah. Damn, you can't win them all. 
Um, I, I get excited to see just like what wacky things like because Phil Spencer does something different every year, and I like watching him because mm-hmm. I genuinely enjoy whatever Microsoft shows off, and mm. the occasional Todd Howard lie, occasionally oh, as yes. well, would the, the, the uh, also why I watch Todd it. Howard lies. Yes. Lies, tell me um, I just like the presentation of it all to be completely honest mm-hmm. and i get excited by a lot of stuff they show because most of the stuff they show at e3 does turn out to be good um aside from ubisoft um <laughs> ubisoft is a <laughs> a stand-up comedy act in the making i'm i'm gonna be and honest it, it, the funniest thing is like the last few times Bethesda has shown off a game um like it has come out four months after e3 um mm-hmm. fallout 4 fall 76 i mean that was also a bad game um uh. <laughs> i think skyrim came out shortly after e3 uh in 2011 when they showed it i believe oblivion mm-hmm. also a lot of their like just big titles have come out shortly after they showed it at e3 like just out of the blue yeah we're coming out with it in a few months so mm-hmm um and yeah i just like seeing uh just what celebrity they also get to show at microsoft because you know 2019 they had keanu reeves for a game that turned out to be a dumpster fire breathtaking Mm -hmm. um we we all know that classic line of course course. that's just my opinion on it ah yes getting celebrities that have next to nothing to do with the video game industry gotcha (laughs) I mean, hey, I love me some Keanu, but I don't know. Keanu! Just kind of having him in there, it just, eh. That seems like the the, the, kind of publicity and kind of like trying to gain attention that you would see in like big budget movies where it's just like, oh, hey, we got Keanu, we got Will Smith, we got this other celebrity that you probably know. Now you're going to want to go see the movie. I mean, yeah. with Cyberpunk 2077, they got Keanu, and even he couldn't save it. No. He, tr- he tried. He did his best. It, it's weird yeah. you think they need to do that to get eyes on it, though, because, like, people that are going to watch E3 already know fully what it is anyway. Exactly. It's kind of niche. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think we skipped over Sam's thoughts. It's okay. I'm not crying. Okay. Um, I mean, ever since I was little... My favorite thing to watch during one of my favorite thing to watch during movies in the movie theater was previews, and that's basically mm-hmm. what E3 is—is is a big old preview. But yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I've never been a, a an avid watcher of E3. I've always just been—I'm always excited for E3 to come around because that's when I get to watch the previews. So I have no skin in the game when it comes to to E3 itself. I do appreciate that it is a thing though that video games have become such a large um, that it's taken up such a space in the public eye that it has its own event. I think that's very cool. Okay. But I've, yeah. I've never been an avid watcher. I just, I like the concept. I like the previews, but I've never been super into so, it. So, again, it's more of a, a platform for things to be announced than, like, an actual production. Yeah. I've I never see. been into the, the, the spectacle of E3, you know? Yeah, I but guess I do appreciate that, that is. I, I do appreciate that it is a spectacle, spectacle, and I think that's pretty dope. Yeah, if I had to sum up my overall uh, 
critical opinions on E3, it would have to be that, in many ways, I sometimes see E3 as an extension of what I dislike most about the modern video game industry. And it's that there's this lack of hesitancy and this huge amount of pushing a product out before it really deserves to. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because you have a lot of games where the mentality is, okay, look, throw the game out, even though it's like a quarter of the way done. It's not stable. It hasn't been fully tested. And uh, we'll release 150 gigabytes worth of patches later down the road so that six months from now we can say oh yeah now it's done and where i think e3 is an extension of that is people see that e3 is coming up and they suddenly say to themselves oh man it's e3 it's e3 guys we gotta get our game out there come on we gotta make sure that it's on the showroom floor so you're saying it's uh the event could turn into a uh sort of over glorification or a, like a deadline that they have to meet to show something even if it's not anything like the finished product yeah it's, it's already like that baby we're already there yeah mm -hmm. yeah well you know best in show you know what i'm saying yeah i mean it just reminds me <laughs> it just reminds me of um because i don't know uh, when I think of E3, there's a lot of memorable moments, but also infamous moments of just shenanigans that just kind of pinpoint that, okay, what they're showcasing really just should have been held off until later, until they actually had something presentable, but as you can clearly tell, uh, it's not, and they're just doing it because, oh, well, we gotta be at E3, we gotta be at E3. Uh, does anyone remember... Some of the early demonstrations of Connect, of Connect, because I distinctly remember like uh, one of the presenters at those shows, he was demonstrating like, oh hey, here's this avatar, check this out. You want to see the bottom of the shoe? Wa bam! And like all the limbs of the avatar that he's using just completely contort. Now I'll be honest, Ian, I I try my hardest to not remember anything about the Connect. Mm hmm. <laughs> Especially the Xbox One version. Mm-hmm. They were doing some kind of presentation on the actual Xbox One right when it came out. And it came time to the price tag, and it was a whole $100 more. <laughs> or what was it, $100, $150 more than the PS4? Mm-hmm. And uh, it only came with the Kinect, and a lot of people hated that because it was very clearly bumping the price up for it. Yeah. Ugh. Dead silence, I remember. He's just like, oh yeah, here's the price tag. And he's and he's sitting there looking proud of the fact that he's about to be talking about this. And it's just silence. You just gotta feel bad for those guys who have to come out and are just told like, hey, this is a shitty product, but you gotta sell it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's That can't be fun. That's gotta be the worst job. It's the market, baby. That's how selling works. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to take this time and uh, really talk about uh, how terrible, because this was also at E3, how terrible an idea it was to basically show the Xbox One off as online only. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Was that? Yeah, that was awful. Was that when Sony released that video of like 
how to share games with friends, and it's just two yeah. dudes like handing a physical game to each yep. other. <laughs> yeah, because Microsoft was just like, yeah, no, you can't share games, you can't do anything, you have to always be online to use the Xbox One. It's great. And then Sony's just like, yeah, we're not going to do any of that with the PS4. You know, apparently they recorded that video at E3 in their uh, in their like hotel room the second they heard the the Microsoft announcement. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Had to completely just shit on Microsoft real quick, mm-hmm. as you do. <laughs> and now, uh, now the reverse is true. Microsoft is taking wins every single year, and Sony is going further down the hole. Is Microsoft yeah. really that good? Uh, they are now, with Game Pass and every their their entire new system that they've been. Oh. I guess just <laughs> choices they make in terms of like having the consumer in mind, gamers and stuff like that, because. For one thing, they're still fully supporting backwards compatibility, and they've even said that they're planning on, like, making updates and stuff like that, which is always good because having back catalogs of older consoles still accessible years later, I think, is important. And, and then you got Sony where it's just like, ah, no, 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 you you don't want to play Crash Bandicoot. You want to play the new Crash Bandicoot. Don't don't play the original Crash Bandicoot. And, I thought uh, the PS5 Ian? was marketed for backwards compatibility, though. No. Ah, uh, no, it's not. No. I have one and There's it's not. Really? nothing on backwards compatibility, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I want to take. I want to. I want to share one thought. Um, since I know we're super famous now, uh, Phil Spencer, if you're listening, I want you to put Gears of War two and three on Steam, please. That's all <laughs> I want. Please, <laughs> Phil, please. He'll, he'll never do it. No. He'll never do it. He's, I want he's it. He's too much of a spiteful jerk to do it. Well, no. then we're going to have to do it. Yes. We'll put together a league. Phil Spencer, please. I just want Gears 2 and 3 on PC. <laughs> and of course, you got Todd Howard's shenanigans with Bethesda. Of course. My favorite part. Oh, of my gosh. You, you, you want to talk about what I was kind of getting at, where it's just like, it almost seems like E3... Uh, over the years has just become ingrained and intertwined with just false advertising like it it's one thing when you see it in like just generic commercials all over the place it's not uncommon for things to not be 100% transparent but you have things like what Todd Howard does and it just I guess encourages it and it just seeps into other companies just going like oh yeah I-, I guess we can just get away with this and todd howard i think is like the reference for that because i mean he's he's talking fallout 76 right he's saying oh hey we're gonna need twice the detail we're gonna need twice the space in terms of exploration we're gonna need all these things and you bet that we can deliver on that you really can because Todd and Howard didn't. is powerful enough to lie to our face and we eat it up every single time. Mm-hmm. We just yes. want to listen to his voice. That's all we want. I mean, he's it's Indeed. the modern just, Peter Molyneux. Just just tell us everything's going to be all right. Yeah, literally, Todd, just tell us everything's okay. That's all even I want. It just works, I don't guys. care if your game's bad. I just want it. Even if it's just a lie, Todd, tell me it's going to be okay. Please. <laughs> 
It's really just Todd Howard is super charismatic that we just don't care that the game is bad. We just keep coming back every time because we just want to see it. It's like it. an abusive lover that just finds that way to reel you back in every He has time. a way with words, Ian. Oh, you don't understand. <laughs> it's that and the games are left in such an unfinished state that but they're so mod friendly that they're basically clean slates for people to essentially make exactly. their own games. They don't need to be finished. As long as the mod community is happy, I'm happy. Because so the just... games sometimes turn out to be better when they're mods modded. Look yeah. at Skyrim. That just encourages them to do less work. Because the mods, modders will fix it all. You're giving yeah. gamers more creative freedom with your game. Isn't that what the industry is really all about? Well, yes, but the base product should still be worth it, shouldn't it? Yeah, Bethesda doesn't need to be super finished. I buy him anyway. <laughs> You're part know. of the problem. No, I'm not. <laughs> part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Part of the solution, my ass! Hey, look, the I didn't buy Fallout 76, okay? I don't believe you. I, I really didn't, don't. actually. Okay, okay. good. I'll, I'll take your word on it, unless you're giving me a Todd Howard lie. No, it's like how I got Anthem for free. <laughs> oh, well, don't even remind me of Anthem. I got that you for free, you know, and I still wanted a refund. You know, speaking of things like Anthem, as in uh, things, you know, crimes against humanity, I think oh. we got something else to talk about. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, oh that yes. was smooth. Now, uh, let, let me ask you guys something. Um... I learned that so, one for you, James. Who likes playing video games aside from middle aged to young adults? Uh, a, a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. Well, yeah, but but, but what's another age group? Oh, uh, children. 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 Oh. Yeah. Oh. Gamers. You know who really likes children? Drake Gamers. Bell. Drake fucking Bell. <laughs> Dude, I just don't get it. Why is Nickelodeon? Fucking I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's because they're surrounded it's because... by. It's because Dan Schneider is in the shadows, lurking ever so. He's slightly. like a demon. He who hides behind the feet. Understand how that man continue. Granted, I haven't looked too into it, but like, is he still making shows for that channel? No, I I think they cut ties with him a bit ago. Okay. God, good. I, I, I'm i just sitting there going like, okay, is Dan Schneider going to be that. the next Harvey Weinstein? Like, where he this... has like this sect of people that just <laughs> constantly are indulging in this kind of stuff? It sounds I mean, like every year Harvey, we find out something new and fucked up about him. Hey man, I'm just saying to be the next Harvey Weinstein, that's quite a feat. <laughs> oh no, no. Anyway, no. anyway, believe it or not, we're not here to talk about Dan Schneider. We're here we to can. talk about Drake Bell. Yes. Yes. Which uh correct me if I'm wrong, uh Dan Schneider was still in the uh in the circulation uh when Drake and Josh was, was he, airing, yes. Yeah, he yeah, didn't he, leave uh, until twenty seventeen. Oh, okay, got you. The, so he was around there. Like Amanda yeah. Show, Drake and Josh, iCarly, all those are like from Schneider's Bakery, as I think they're called. Yeah, Dan Warp okay. is what it was. Oh, was it? Got okay. You. But those were his shows, essentially. Yeah, those were the ones he created. So, Scott. Yes? Scott, you you uh, you were the one that uh, <laughs> kind of brought this all to our attention. Can, can you elaborate uh, on what's going on with uh, so... Drake Bell? 
Drake Bell, Jared Drake Bell, uh, he was, uh, he is caught in Cleveland on multiple accounts of child endangerment charges. Woo! Good lord. Um, so he has not appeared in court yet, but basically he had met a, a, a girl, uh, before a concert, uh, and she was 15, and they had, I guess, um, developed a relationship online. Mm. And, uh, according to this article, uh, that I sent you all, Bell has mm-hmm. sent the girl inappropriate messages. Most likely not good. <laughs> you think? The Anthony Weiner kind. Maybe. Yeah. Um, he is caught on um, a in attempted endangering children and a misdemeanor child pornography charge. Oh. Oh. I didn't know that part. Yeah, I, I just read that right now. I was reading it off, oh. my bad. Jeez, mm. Drake. Um, and he the court is scheduled for June 23rd. So, Jeez. we'll find out that then, if he does yeah, go I to guess. the old slammer. Now, I am reading this article you linked. Uh, yes. It says he was found with the child in 2017. Do we know why these are coming up now? No idea yet. It, it, it literally just came out like two days ago, so it's oh, still all, okay. all coming out. It's just, that's a mm. long... Like, I'm not trying to defend the guy, but that's like a long no. time to... I guess that's just when they finally came out. I think she spoke out. Uh, I think that that it stemmed Mm. from her speaking out. Because, I mean, he is 34. She was 15. Yeah. So, I mean... Obviously, I mean, I don't want to be that guy that says, Oh, he's getting me too'd. But, I mean, I... (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. She was 15. (laughs) This sounds like another Kevin Spacey uh, (laughs) incident. I mean, but Kevin mm-hmm. was kind of in the wrong. <laughs> Let's be completely yeah, that, real. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Uh, unless there's some more details we get later on, it uh, well, I don't it'll know about, all fall through in I, June 23rd. I don't know about related to this case, but I did some own research uh, independently once you told us about this. Do you guys know he changed his name and moved to Mexico like last year? Yeah. Oh, really? He's Drake Campana now. And he's, oh. he sells, like, music in Spanish. Apparently, huh. uh, he changed his name and moved to Mexico shortly after being accused of abusing his current girlfriend at the time. <laughs> oh, it's just a never-ending cycle with this guy. Uh, huh? uh, so he's got a history. Man, it's almost like he's actually kind of a terrible person. No, that's impossible. He's a child star. Child stars can't be bad people. Oh, yeah. Nothing ever bad happened to child stars. Uh... <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, Edward Furlong. Amanda Pines. <laughs> okay, but aside from all those examples, nothing bad's ever happened to child stars. Uh, yeah, nothing I mean, bad. Jeanette McCurdy straight up quit acting, so, you know. Yeah. Well, that was no, more it's... from uh, Dan... Just making things uncomfortable. For the her. Danster. 
You do have yeah. to wonder, though. You do have to wonder. Is it Maybe. possible that some of Dan's shenanigans rubbed off on Drake? Most likely. If not directly, at least, like, subconsciously. I, I know that a lot of co-stars at the time usually deny Dan's involvement with anything, but you have to think, too, they were kids around that time, so he was just the adult telling them what to do. They could internalize a lot of that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. YouTube and Nickelodeon. It, it's like, if you get big on either one of those platforms, you're just like, oh, yeah! Kids! I love that's them. That's it. That's the exact thought process. It's just gimme, it's like gimme. a switch. <laughs> gimme, gimme. <laughs> All right, so welcome to YouTube. You, it looks Take like you've me got, away! Yeah. It's like you've got 500,000 subscribers. Here's your play button, and you're now a pedophile. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, that's part of the initiation. Right? I mean, look at the yeah. Paul brothers. Oh, God, the Paul brothers. They didn't really get out, they didn't really get out all that well, either. Dude, I don't know. One this? of them's going to be murdered by Floyd Mayweather, so that'll be fun. Yeah, Logan's fighting him, but I would have liked to see Jake. The Actually, the worst one. The worst one. I, I have to agree. He stole his hat, like, in a public thing, and then, like, Floyd charged him down, it was held back by his bodyguards, and then he posted a a video to, like, his Instagram or whatever, saying, Hey, Floyd, I still got your hat. Oh, Jesus Jake Lord. is, I feel like Jake Paul's the kind of guy to basically play chicken with a bull <laughs> and not back off. As long as a camera's in front of him. Yeah. yeah, as long as a camera's in front of him. I mean, I'm not defending either of them. Logan's done some pretty stupid things, like the forest incident a few he was years ago. Okay, was but he is that. turning over a new leaf recently. He's actually trying to be decent. One of them's yeah, a I flat really earther, though. Heard anything else? And Jake Paul's the one who's literally—he's the one who's like the rapping and boxing and like, yeah, he's—he's he's actually the terrible one. Uh. I, I, I guess uh, when you're on YouTube, uh, you got one of two paths. Either you apparently become a boxer or... Uh, a pedophile. You like you kids. Like children. Too much. Yeah. Shit. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> See, guys, anyway. I'm already a YouTuber. Oh, no. Oh, okay, well, buddy, we might have to kick you off the podcast. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, we're, we, no. we might have to come out with a uh, public statement saying, no. oh, yes, we, we decided to part ways. Scott decided to go on his um professional path separate okay. from the podcast. I'll, I'll just say The Last of Us 2 is bad on Twitter. I mean, okay. you're right, but that doesn't stop you from what you're becoming. <laughs> <laughs> but with that out of the way... Why don't we get on to our main event, our recommended movie? Yes. Uh, this time around, uh, my film, my recommendation. Uh, that recommendation is, of course, for a film released in 1992 and based on a autobiography done by Norman MacLean. Uh, that movie being A River Runs Through It. And if I had to kind of sum up why I chose this film in particular, um, it's funny 
because, uh, and I'm going to give a little shout out to it. There is this uh, Toonami revival project where it essentially it is a 24-7 live stream that actually has scheduled, um, you know, broadcast captures of old shows that were showing up on Toonami. It's a little thing called Toonami Aftermath. Definitely check it out. But... <clears throat> What uh, what I found interesting is that uh, that same stream also has a movie channel on it, and I guess it's just movies that were released around the time that Toonami was broadcasting. And one of the films that I caught, I want to say the last half hour of maybe forty five minutes, uh, was A River Runs Through, and I remember watching it. And even though I had only gotten like maybe half or a quarter of the story. Uh, I was entirely just pulled into it. And a lot of it came from just like, th there's some history in this story going on. And uh, there's just this sense of melancholy as well that uh, I don't often look for in movies, but I occasionally like delving into films that have a very melancholy sort of tonality to it. Because, you know, it's different. And like I say, and sometimes preach, uh, you can't watch the same kind of movie. Yeah. You know, you gotta break things up. This is definitely a different kind of movie. Yeah! And when I was recommending it, I was kind of uh, both curious and worried, because I figured this would have been a little too different, because this is a little more of a simpler film really not much of a plot it is yes. very much character driven and kind of uh if you will a slice of life kind of film and we haven't really gone over a a, a a title like that on here i was worried that it might have been too much of a a shift and it would have just kind of thrown things off where you guys were just like ah, i don't know what to make of it but to kind of uh put that worry to rest what were your general thoughts on A River Runs Through It, fellas? I thought it was pretty damn okay. So I didn't really go into the movie, to be honest, with high expectation. Because to be honest, this is, this is usually not my kind of movie, you know? Mm -hmm. But, honestly, you know, biases aside, I thought it was, it was pretty good. It, I don't know if it's something I'll ever really come back to. But overall, mm -hmm. the cinematography was really good. The acting was probably the best part of the movie. Honestly, the relationship between Paul, Norman, and his and their father probably was basically the core of the movie. And I think they chose wisely in making that the core of the movie because it's the strongest part of the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Brad, mm -hmm. it is phenomenal as Paul uh, McLean, right? I'm saying that right? Paul McLean. Uh, McLean, McLean. Yeah. McLean. I believe in the movie it's pronounced McLean. Oh, is it McLean? Mm -hmm. Yes. And yeah, it's a, just a very solid trio that really helps make the movie what it is, and it's pretty solid. Um, yeah, I mean that's this kind of the the, my, the generalization of my opinion. It was just a solid movie. Not not I'm not gonna say it was phenomenal, next level stuff, but it was mm -hmm. very very solid. The cinema, like I said, it's just, everything worked. Um, you were right though. I mean, it's it's not a very heavily quote-unquote plot-driven story it really is about the characters and how they change and i think in, mm -hmm. in terms of that i think it really rocked it 
honestly, there was there was there was good character depth and growth throughout the entire film, and the actors really mm-hmm. really captured it. Maybe not a film for me per se, but I'll I'll say I'll say it as I see it. It was very good. Mm-hmm. James, how about you? What do you think? Yeah. Um. On a similar note, like like you said, this is not uh, a movie that. I would normally go out of my way to watch, and it is a experience that I'm interested in. I'm I'm glad that we we're able to branch out and see these other things. Uh, the, the one thing uh, I I kept coming back to is I I think I was expecting a little more from it at the beginning because I kept mm-hmm. waiting for like a central conflict to be brought up or like a a big moment to really put the rest of the movie into gear. And it doesn't really happen. It's more about like this small sleepy town in, uh, was it Minnesota? Uh, Montana, Montana. Thank you. Where they're just like, it's a small church town where the, the best thing they can do is go out and go fly fishing. And that that's, that's good. But I, it's not what I thought it would be going into it. One thing I, I do ha- think about, and I'm wondering what you uh, would think about this as well, considering how attached you are to this. W- when the movie started, I thought Paul was going to be the main character. It looked yeah? like he was the one that was, like, getting everyone to do everything. And even throughout the film, he's the one that has, like, most of the stuff happen to him. But since we follow Norman, a lot of that's just off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but uh, I I just could not shake the idea of, like, what if Paul was the main character? And this story is more about, like, the the son that got left behind and, like, he his brother goes off and becomes, like, a successful professor while he's just stuck in his same hometown and th- there might be a bit of resentment. And then ultimately having to deal with all the shady, like, weird stuff he deals with, especially at Lolo's. But uh, that is mm-hmm. not the direction the movie took, and uh, ultimately, that's. I, I'm not saying it's bad for doing so. Uh, it it gave it an interesting feel, a more laid back kind of note. Although it does make the ending kind of a huge shift. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I'll I'll cap that for now because uh, Scott, you still have to give your thoughts on the movie. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Um, I liked the whole father's or the father and son's story that they had been going that Paul wasn't the the child who really pleased the father uh, as much as Norman did. The whole I liked that the tone didn't really change throughout the movie. I liked it was a very steady um, pace throughout and uh yeah i i don't know if i'll actually watch it again but i i did enjoy watching it for the podcast yeah and i mean uh the the main thing was that i recommended this as like a film that you know i i think people should watch this kind of movie at least once and for me i'm glad i did and since then i have watched it more than once um (laughs) And if I can go back on that uh, 
That topic of Laserdisc, I actually ordered this on Laserdisc not too long ago, so I'm waiting on that. Really? Really into that yeah. stuff. Yes. Hey, good really on you. Am. How many times do you have to flip it? Uh, well, given that it's not a long movie, I think it only comes with uh, one disc, maybe. Oh. I mean, it's two hours. Because um, I, I believe the format of the disc that it uh, comes on uh, it can hold up to like uh, an hour of footage before you have to flip it. So I imagine what they do is they go to around the hour mark, find a good, um, you know, uh, end of a scene, and then um, they cut it off right there and they put the rest of the movie on the other side. I, I think that's the case. But uh, yeah, it's it's not that long of a movie. It's only two hours, four minutes. It's just a little over two hours. Yeah. But yeah, I got it on that. And uh, it, it's definitely a film that, um, compared to other movies in my whole list of like, oh, one of my favorites, um, I wouldn't say it's going to be the highest on there. But I can see myself coming back to it every so often, you know? Yeah. I can see that. It, it, it is well made. It's, it's still a well-made product. Yeah. And, you know... The main reason that I went around to watching it multiple times is actually uh, in relation to what you were mentioning earlier, James, which was there really isn't necessarily a overarching conflict. Yeah. And what I found is there isn't like a tangible one. There isn't like a like a clear one that goes from the beginning to the end. But... Uh, what I found is that the the conflict, or at least the thing that um, Norman has to work through, really is just finding a center to life. You know what I mean? And, and I think if I had to sum up my thoughts on what the movie is actually about, it's that. It's finding a center, a, a, a grounding sort of feeling uh, to life. And uh, he does later on sort of go in that direction but uh to, to give a a uh, general idea of what the actual events of the movie go over uh, like i mentioned it was based on the um autobiographical uh story of the same name a river runs through it it was done by norman mclean himself oh so this is based on a true story i kind of figured yeah and i mean uh I can definitely relate to how you were saying earlier that it could have easily been a film that follows more of Paul's sort of story. Well, now that I know it's not a biography, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, but I think uh, after watching it and, and kind of seeing how much of it uh, carried over into the movie, uh, I think it kind of had to be Norman who actually followed it, you know? Yeah. Because frankly, I, I I think Norman is actually the one that sort of changed a little more compared to Paul. Because Paul, the thing is, is that, and I found this to be the overarching uh, thing that Norman was trying to sort of uh, figure out as an extension of trying to find a center to his life. Scott, you were correct in that uh, Paul, in the uh, as a kid. He wasn't as, you know, 
favored compared to Norman uh, because he he was a troublemaker. He was, you know, not eating his his dinner as he should. Uh, he was the most rebellious of the two. Um, but what ended up happening when uh, Norman went off to college uh, and even talks about this not only in the autobiography but one of the narration lines he feels that his connection to the family uh, because of how long he was gone sort of weakened whereas because Paul was still back in their hometown and was with their parents for the time being uh, his connection to the family became all the stronger and because of that, Norman, when he eventually comes back, he has to sort of work his way back into uh, the family. He's become oh, a little more distant. I, I thought the line was when he was coming back that he became as distant as Paul was. I thought yeah. is what he said. Yeah, as distant as Paul was, uh, at least how I read it, how Paul was uh, when they were younger before he left. Because it seemed like Paul was pretty darn distant, for the most yeah. part. Because he he was busy with the newspaper, he was going to Lolo's and doing God knows right. what. He's a local celebrity. At, at one point in the movie, it even says they changed the spelling of his name. Mm-hmm. To truly show how like far away from the family he's gotten, or not? Mm -hmm. Is it spelling or the pronunciation? I don't know. Ah, spelling. It's like it was McLean or it was now McLean. I I don't remember. Like he capital oh, oh no, uh, he capitalized uh, the M. Oh no, he capitalized the L, I L. believe. Was it L? My bad. Yes. Uh one I, I took a lot of notes while watching this one just because the, the plot was a little slower, so I wanted to make sure I remembered most of the important details. Mm-hmm. Uh the the one note. I think that sticks out the most to me is uh, th this film is like when you have a friend that you know you're you're kind of close with, and mm. they they invite you to come up on a trip with their family, and you only know them, you don't know their family at all, but you're suddenly thrown into like all of their dynamics, and you just kind of have to navigate it on your own. The film kind of right. gives me that feeling of, like, there's so much people that clearly already know each other, and they're they're just going to keep doing their dynamics, and you got to, like, figure out what's what yourself. Yeah, Norman has to kind of put up with that, especially when um, he becomes more involved in uh, his girlfriend's life, Jessie. Yes. Uh, and her family. <laughs> there was a big thing about, you know, people not asking for help or you know accepting help when they need it most the primary mm -hmm. examples being uh jesse's brother neil and paul himself so that was a con pretty consistent theme i'd say i loved neil i i wish I'd he was in so. more of the movie i i know he didn't really do anything but like yeah he was like he, he was the most interesting source like source of like because there's not really an antagonist in this movie, but he was kind of the closest thing to it. Yeah, the the, the kind of character that when introduced, they sort of shake up yeah. what's going on. I, I agree, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, he's not really an antagonist. He's just 
first of all, he's an ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes he's just really just another person he was another person in their lives I mean, that's that's kind of the whole thing it's autobiographical in life there's not gonna be often times where you get an antagonist you know that's the uh, probably the most blatant like parallel too of like they they invite him fishing and the whole time they're there's like oh he doesn't know how to fish or like he's gonna use bait and that's just showing like how far apart he is from them mm-hmm how differently he sees the world than they do, and I, I don't know. I, I just like that stuff, uh, that that aspect mm-hmm. of it a lot. Yeah, I, I think that really was his point. I mean, yeah. he he lived such a different lifestyle than Paul and uh, Norman, and that, that was another big thing. It's like these guys are Montana Montana born, you know. That, that was that was their stick. They were born here. That's how they lived their lives, and it's very different to everywhere else because you know more of a country kind of place, more of a backwater kind of place. Yeah. And that was kind of like roiled into their DNA. I think the other um, major thing I, I took away from the film that when I sort of looked at it, it also made the overarching story a little more compact, a little more succinct. Um, really what the movie to me was about is just the amalgamation of experiences through these characters lives sort of coming together and forming what is the center of it all and that being um just the soul i suppose and it really does just when you look at the film feel like a collection of different uh i guess mini stories because i mean you got like uh norman becoming infatuated with um jesse you have them going to places like that one bar where paul brought the uh, native american woman with and you know those things kind of get wrapped up within very little time yeah but they're just more little tick marks on the i guess the timeline and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and when i realized that that's to me what the movie was about this unification of like experiences and memories and stuff like that was at the very end of the movie when Norman is much older uh, and fishes the river by himself. He says all things come together and a river runs through it. And what those things are, are uh, family, friends, education, uh hell in, in the case of their family religion in fact alcohol and it just <laughs> alcohol sure Gambling. in the case of paul there, it's very, it's very hard to find a scene in which the brothers aren't drinking it, yes but yes and for all we know paul was drinking a hell of a lot more god help him brad pitt was excellent i just want to say that though he was oh yeah no, he, uh, yeah i, I saw, was curious what would you guys think of brad pitt he was he, my favorite part of the movie i i could see why people say this was the role that started his career Though it yes. turns out, I read a little, I read a little bit into it that he did not like his performance in that role. Really, he thought he could have done a yeah, lot better. I read that too. And the thing was, was the fact that since he was portraying a, a quote unquote real life person, that there was a lot of pressure on him, and he, you know, the family of the family from the movie were actually there, like the actual real life family was there. So he's, you know, he he didn't feel like he really did well under that pressure. But to wrap things up. Overall thoughts? Would you guys recommend this movie? Yeah. Huh? I would agree. I definitely I, I would. would. 
I would recommend it. It may not be my genre, but that doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. And what it does, it does well. So I recommend it. James? I, I can't say I fully recommend it, just because, again, it, it's a bit slow getting into. And, you know, there's... Slow getting out? Yeah. But I, I certainly enjoyed my time with it. It's not something I'd, like, say, hey, you know, this is something you have to watch. But I am glad that we watched it. Hey, do you fuckers like fly fishing? I got the movie for you. Oh boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You like fishing? Oh yeah, that was that was the other thing. Many people say, oh yeah, it's about fly fishing, but it's just like, no. It's fly amazing. fishing's just a thing that bonds it together. Yeah, they're, the, the, the... they're bonding over fly fishing. It's not about that. They don't really go over technique. Like, <laughs> I mean, in ways they do. They also talk about it as if it's like an art form. But the thing is, is that the fly fishing is what is the center of what the story is about. The story is about finding a center to life. In the case of both Norman and Paul, fly fishing was the constant because it was something that just made them whole. But as all rivers must run through, as, as all rivers that run through, ours must end as one. That, no, I had, a, I had a cool line to this. And I, I, lost I see it. what you're going for. I see what you're going for. Um, yeah. Rivers themes very important i'm gonna <laughs> shut up now but that has been our insightful moment <laughs> indeed and uh before we go ahead and sign off uh this is as a reminder because i figured i'd give some early heads up to it in the last episode uh we are going to be doing a larger than usual episode for our next release that being a unofficial trilogy known as the pulp superhero trilogy at least that's mm-hmm. what I call it, because mm-hmm. I, I sometimes hear people call it the Pulp Trilogy, but as I've already mentioned, that makes people think that there are Pulp Fiction sequels. Oh, wait, yeah. that's not what we're watching? No. Oh. Anyway. Anywho, uh, the trilogy comprises of Pulp superhero properties adapted into films in the early 90s, the best time for superhero films, as you will know. Mm-hmm. This little collection of cinema includes The Shadow, starring Alec Baldwin and Ian McKellen, mm-hmm. uh, The Rocketeer, Billy Campbell, and The Phantom, with Billy Zane himself as The Phantom. Thank you. I look forward to talking about these because each film does at least one department of filmmaking better than the other. And it'd be nice to compare and contrast all three of these. But of course, that comes later. Till then, au revoir. Indeed, everybody. Bye-bye.